Hello, I'm Dexter Sue. I'd like to welcome you on the new episode of Leadership Execution Podcast, a podcast for leaders who'd like to make a difference. My goal is to inspire you to take the initiative to change what no longer works and to provide you with the necessary strategies, approaches and tools to achieve that. Without delay, let's start with today's topic. Hello everybody, Dexter Nasir here. Welcome to the Leadership Execution Podcast, a podcast for leaders everywhere in the world. If this is your first time listening to this show, then I'd like to thank you for being here and I hope to have you on the show again. Now, let's start today's episode without delay. I'd like to introduce you to Michael Bankei-Steinier. Who is Ms. Steinier? Michael Bankei-Steinier is the founder of Box Crayons, one of the leading companies consulting training and coaching areas, award-winning coach and top-notch author. Michael's most recent book, The Coaching Habit, has sold more than 3,500 copies and has been the number one coaching book on Amazon since its release. Michael is a Rhodes Scholar and was recently recognized as the number three global coaching guru. Recently, his focus is attention on performance management. But I have said enough about Michael. It is better to let Michael tell us about what he is doing, how and why. Hello, Michael, and welcome to... Leadership Execution Podcast. I'd like to thank Hi. you for being here. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna boast a moment about the the Coaching Habit book. You said it had sold, uh, I think, three thousand five hundred copies. It's actually yes, sold it, more it than was right. three hundred. More than, more, more than four hundred thousand copies yes, now. In fact, it's almost half a million copies, which is amazing for me. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Sorry about that. And uh, oh, that's all right. Imagine, imagine this is one of my favorites. But it is something I pick up somewhere in the Amazon and perhaps I beat one zero somewhere. Sorry about that. No, no problem. Okay. I'd like to ask you some things because uh, many people think that uh, coaching is uh, an exotic art and uh, most of the people think that consulting is something that are doing uh, by experts for experts. And mm. uh, this is a very large misconception nowadays because uh, a lot of people are afraid uh, to do some consulting or receive some consulting and, uh, of course, avoid the coaching uh, at every time. But right. first, I'd like, I'd like uh, to know who Michael is and uh, how you started the Box of Crayons. Sure. Tell us about, uh, a little bit about your background. Yeah, I'd like to do that. So I live in Canada now. I'm in Toronto. That's where I'm talking from. Um, but I'm actually Australian by birth. So I grew up in Australia and lived there till I was about 25. I went to university in Australia. So I did a, a degree in English literature and also a law degree. Um, luckily, I was saved from becoming a lawyer, which I would have been an unhappy and not very good lawyer um, by winning that Rhodes Scholarship you mentioned that took me to Oxford, where I met my wife, who happens to be Canadian. Excellent. So we we lived in uh, England for mm, probably seven or eight years, which we enjoyed, not least because how close it was to Europe and the mm-hmm. ability to explore and enjoy Europe. Um, then we moved in 2001 to the States. We lived in Boston for three years. At this stage, I was working as a consultant around organizational change. How do you make organizations yes. better, more effective places to live? But then in 2001, we moved to Toronto, and um, shortly after that, I set up Box of Crayons. And I started off in in a kind of general style, you know, as a consultant, so I knew a bit about change management, and I knew a bit about strategy, and I knew a bit about communications, kind of the 
the the various levers that can make a difference to an organization's culture. But over the years, I've come to focus on coaching as a foundational, essential leadership skill for everybody, for managers, for leaders. Um, and our big belief at Box of Crayons is we're not trying to turn anybody into a coach because there are lots of coaches out there already. Mm-hmm. What we want is managers and leaders to be more coach-like in the way that they work. And what we mean by that is can we stay curious a little bit longer can we rush to action and advice giving a little bit more slowly? Because, you know, for the folks listening into this podcast, whether you work internally for an organization and you have a, a role as a leader um, or, or manager, or whether you work externally and you work as a consultant helping organizations, all of us tend to have an inclination to leap in and offer up ideas, advice, solutions just a little bit too quickly. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that that's a bad idea. I'm just saying that if you can stay curious a little bit longer, you're more likely to have better ideas and you're be- more likely to have more influence and you're more likely to have empowered, engaged people around you in the way that you work. Excellent. Curiosity is one of the main things, I believe, that uh, not only a consultant but an entrepreneur should have because... Uh, Right. What, what uh, businesses uh, is uh, finding the solution to the problems uh, people they do have and uh, they don't imagine that having. And right. uh, consultant is always uh, the in-between that uh, try to map uh, the problems to solutions, if that's yeah. possible for everyone. And uh, that uh, it comes to my second uh, question. You have an abnormal uh, career, but... Um, how how easily for a person like you with uh, too many occupations and things to do mm. all your day to shift from a regular job streamline as you were in Boston, I think, and before the full-time business founder? Yeah, you know, it's... Um if I mean, that difference between working for an organization and working for yourself is a big one. Um, and it's one lots of us face because we've all come to realize that having a full time job isn't necessarily any more secure than running your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we're, we're all um, at risk of being laid off or a company being downsized or changed in some way. Now, in an organization, you have the blessings and the curse, you know, the, as my friend of mine would say, the prizes and the punishment mm-hmm. of having more control and more certainty. You know who your boss is. You know who your boss's your boss's boss is. Mm-hmm. You, you know what your job is called. You probably got a understanding of what your what your responsibilities and your accountability is. Um And against that, you're like, I'm a little stuck in a hierarchy. I have less freedom to do what I want to do or pursue what I think is most important. Um, You're at the mercy of your organization's culture, which can be a good thing sometimes, but can be a less than good thing some other times. And then if you look, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, they say. So if you look to the other side, you see Mm -hmm. people who are running their own businesses. And there are two types of businesses to run broadly. One is what I would call a practice and one is what I would call a business. And a practice is when you're working for yourself and you're like, okay, it's just me and I've got to find a way of earning the the money I need to have a good life. 
and to do the work, I need to have a good life. And for many of us, that can be a combination of things. It can be perhaps, you know, a little bit of consulting around a topic that you know about, maybe a little bit of training about a topic Uh that you can teach, maybe a bit of coaching if you want to add coaching. Maybe you're online and you're you're selling an online course. Maybe you're running a podcast and you're you're finding sponsorships and you're getting some money from the from that. You know, you build a portfolio of different ways to earn your living. You know, uh, for instance, at Box of Crayons, we're a training company. We teach 10-minute coaching to busy managers and leaders. And we have a faculty of about 30 people who deliver our programs around the world. Mm -hmm. And they are all – they all run their own practice. So they work with one or two or three other training companies, and they spend their time delivering programs. That's what they love to do. Mm -hmm. The, the, The alternative is to grow a business. And one isn't better than the other. It's just different. But the difference is in growing a business, you um, have more scale and more impact than running a practice because now you need to master marketing and sales. Now you have a product. Now you have people who have a working relationship with you. You know, it could be anything from an assistant to head of sales to head of marketing. It's a it's a bigger it's a bigger beast. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, they love that. They're all about. I know I'm I'm growing an organization here. We're going to have you know we're targeting X million dollars in revenue, X million dollars in profitability. Um, other people go look. I know what a good life looks like for me, and it's a it's a practice based life. Um, mm-hmm. When I started Box of Crayons, it started as a practice, but for the last ten years or so, definitely it's been a business. Excellent. I mean, uh, there is a lot of people that uh, they're getting confused of what business is, and I like the way you put uh, uh, the things because uh, I believe that uh, the practice versus business is uh, a very clear distinction. I usually, yeah. I, I usually, when I consult something and I try to orient something, I try to focus someone uh, to find his purpose or her purpose. I mean, right. uh, you know, you know the the Venn diagram, what you love doing, what the world needs, what you can pay for, and uh, so on. Right, and so exactly. Forth. And this is always confusing for many people because uh, the profession, the vocation, and uh, the mission is always. Uh, they're moving together without uh, have a clear mark and a clear path on what they want to do and who are the people they want to serve on the end of the day because mm. uh, they want uh, you you have a clear path for instance you you start training and you have a practice and uh, you do a little bit of that you do a little bit of this and uh, but most people they want uh, too many money too many famous mm-hmm. uh, altogether and they want it uh, in a year or so Right. Uh, my argument uh, usually it is that uh, you cannot have uh, something if you not invest, and you cannot have a free meal for that. Right. And, and uh, that yeah, I, I I agree with you. Um, I like that Venn diagram, the, the one I use, which is similar, which is you know what's the thing that you you are good at that you have some passion around. Mm-hmm. What's what, what's the thing that people will pay for, and then the third thing for me is how are you a bit different from what other people offer around the same piece? Exactly. Because partly you're like, if you're the same as everybody else, you're then a commodity and you're unable to charge a premium or, or differentiate yourself or be wanted. 
So part of it for me is also what's your twist? You know, what are you going to do differently that's interesting or useful? Yeah, I totally agree. And that uh, it is, uh, we live in very interesting times now because we shift in uh, from a working environment that it was uh, very uh, strict uh, to a very free and loose working environment, but a very competitive one. And That's uh, right. what I try to make obvious uh, the most of the times with the people I work with and my associate is that you have to focus on what you have to do in a clear path, not uh, in a way that uh, is a cloudy the most of the times. Right. And, th- and that uh, brings me to the third question, because for me, one uh, solution of that problem, uh, this puzzle, it is the, your personal habits how you build yourself uh, within this uh, new environment and this ecosystem. And uh, as an Australian, you know that uh, you have vast, uh, as in Internet and uh, Australia it is, you have a vast space uh, to cope, but uh, very limited resources. Right, so, right. Well, um, you know, you, when, you're, when you're working by yourself, for sure you have to find structures and disciplines to help you work at your best. Now, of course, what that is is different for everybody. So it mm-hmm. takes some time to find, you know, what are the systems that work for you? I mean, what's the systems you use to stay productive? Is it kind of the classic getting things done, you know, David Allen's work mm-hmm. around how to process information coming in and how to keep a clear mind? Um, is it uh, one of the tools like a project management tool like Asana or something mm-hmm. like that where you're like, okay, here's how we track projects, maybe Basecamp, um, is it a discipline around saying I don't book meetings till 11 o'clock in the morning so that my mornings are always free for me to work on the work that matters? I mean, in a previous book of mine, Douglas, I, I, it's called Do More Great Work. Mm-hmm. And it says, look, everything you do, everything that's available to you falls into one of three different buckets. It's either bad work, good work, or great work. Yeah, So bad, bad work is waste of time, life-sucking, bureaucratic, why are you even doing it? Good work is your job description. And honestly, whether you work for a company or an organization or whether you work for yourself, we all have a job description. Mm -hmm. So it's productive and it's efficient and it's getting things done and you know how to do it pretty well and you probably make a bit of money doing that, either your salary or your consulting uh, revenue. But great work is the work that has more impact and the work that has more meaning. And, you know, both of those things matter. Impact, you know, you're making a difference, but meaning you care about it. It, it lights you up. So part of your the discipline is to understand where for you now, you know, what is your great work project? You know, how much great work do you have at the moment? And is that the right mix with your good work? Mm-hmm. And what are the structures you need in your life to do more great work? I had I had dinner with a friend of mine last night and he is really smart because he knows that he is terrible at creating anything by himself. He's just not good at it. He gets lost, he gets bored, he gets distracted. He'll do anything to avoid <laughs> actually doing that. Um, so for him, one of the structures would be find partnerships and and work with other people. For me, on the other hand, I'm like, I, I actually, I love collaborating in some circumstances, mm-hmm. but if I'm writing a book, it's like, that's just me alone, and I just need time away from my email and away from the internet, mm-hmm. just writing words down. So I have a different structure to, to do that work. 
Excellent. This is uh, more, more like uh, uh, the things I do as well, and everybody does. But uh, for me, it is uh, something I call uh, what uh, getting uh, what matters most to you, because what you call uh, a great work for me, it is uh, something that has meaning besides uh, money on the side. Yes. I mean, I have a passion for many things, but uh, unfortunately, for instance, I, I love art, but uh, I don't have any more time to do either painting or sketching because I have two kids around and uh, it, is, oh, yes. uh, it is a little bit difficult. So yeah. uh, I try to find my metal structure and my business model in order to find, uh, to overcome my laziness, if you like, uh, or my time restrictions and try to automate a lot and outsource a lot uh, to do some things. Ask your friend, it is also a metal structure. And that uh, I'd like to ask you if you are an organized person. And uh, mm -hmm. if you do, uh, how do you achieve your personal professional goals? Uh, you have a system. You mention a lot of systems, actually, yeah. around. Um, you know, the, the, the main system I have is I have a sense of my overall mission, my overall vision for the impact I want to have on the world. So the way I talk about it, and I talk about this a bit and do more great work, is I'd like to uh, infect a billion people with the possibility virus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that, that will resonate or not resonate for people listening in. But for me, it means how do I help people around the world uh, make better choices And how do I do it in a way that gets me out of the way so that the idea and the tools or whatever spreads by themselves? Mm -hmm. And really the way I tend to work is I tend to go, okay, I work on a project-by-project project basis. After I finish a project, like, for instance, after I finish the Coaching Habit book, I then ask myself, of all the things I could be doing, what's the thing that would move me closest to having the impact of infecting a billion people with the possibility virus. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means it's a, another book. Sometimes it's running my business. Sometimes it's running a podcast. You know, it depends. So um, what I try and do is not get too caught up in the minutiae of it, but I keep stepping back and asking myself the big picture questions, which is, okay, what am I trying to do here? <laughs> you know, I've got yeah. a... Um, Uh, there's a, a writer called Kevin Kelly that some people may know. Yes. He helped create the Wired magazine. The Wired magazine, yes. Um, and he's famous uh, for something called A Thousand True Fans, where he mm -hmm. says, if you have a thousand true fans, you can make a good living. Um, but one of the things that I like that he's less well-known for is he shows um, on his website how to calculate the day of your death, you know, statistically. You work out what, how, what, what an insurer would guess when you die. And he basically says, and you can probably do one major project every five years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you think about what it takes, for instance, to write a book and then get it out in the world and then market it for a couple of years, it's, it, you know, it's probably been five years or thereabouts since I really started working hard on the Coaching Habit book. So if I calculate my day of death, I've got about 25 years left, maybe a bit more, <laughs> maybe a bit less, but it's basically 25 years, which means that I've got about five big projects left in me. No, I think so you have much now more. when you think about that, you're like, okay, so that's not that many. <laughs> yeah. So make your choices carefully about what you're going to spend your time because, uh, you know, 
<laughs> getting old. You know, uh, who is it? it? Is, Hemingway. It, it is a bad think, thing, but it's not uh, that bad most of the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, Hemingway, the writer, went, look, the way I became bankrupt is I was very was slowly and then quickly. And sometimes that's how it feels like getting old. You're slowly getting older and then suddenly you're like, like I am, I'm suddenly 50. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did I, how did I end up being a 50 year old man? I, <laughs> I still think of myself as a 28 year old yeah. or maybe a 24 year old. So it's surprising to be a 50 year old. And you got to think that time is only accelerating away from you rather than slowing down. So it, it's, for me, it keeps coming back to that bigger question about what's the impact I'm having in the world. And if that's true, What's the best project I can think of doing right now? It is wonderful the way you think, and the most wonderful the the fact that you mentioned Kelly because one of other best book of mine is The Out of Control, and it mm. gave, it gave me the new bio system of the new systems order, and. According to Kevin, you should have a lot of bio system to spread off. Yes. Through the projects and your book, I mean, uh, your coaching habit is not uh, just uh, an accelerator. It is uh, more or less a matrix of things you can uh, either govern together in order to make a difference. For me, Thank you. this this is uh, the main. It's not just a manual. You can do this and that in order to achieve that. It is something you pick it up according to the problem you have to solve. And uh, you try to think how this question can match uh, this uh, problem and uh, what is going to be the results. And that's why I'm saying that uh, you have a lot of projects within to go. Yeah. Um, the, the project metaphor really works for me as a way of kind of framing what you're up to because uh, often when you're working, and this can be true whether you're in a big company or whether you're working by yourself, is that you... Your work feels like it just stretches on forever. <laughs> you yeah, know, I know. Like, there's I know. no start. There's no end. You could just you could work 24 hours a day if you if you didn't have to sleep. But what I like about a project is it tends to have a start date and a finish date, and that feels useful in terms of a way of focusing your your power. Yeah, I I totally agree because if you work for yourself and uh, now. Uh, I work for myself uh, nowadays, and uh, mostly pro bono because the financial crisis now in Europe and uh, yes. everything. Uh, what I what I do, I try to have a fixation in the hours I I tend uh, to devote to a project that it is meaningful for me and my clients. Great. I, I start the practice to helping people around, and uh, now I try to make it a business, but I'm not quite certain that it's going to work now because mm-hmm. it is a lot of things. But I like to write, and I have a blog that is going to very well. Anyway, what I'd like to ask you is, uh, because I believe in books very much, and your books it is uh, a real uh, eye-opener for me, what well, books you. would you recommend to the people uh, that you would like to help? I mean, people that they want uh, to follow you around. Yeah. Well, it, it, it always depends what what you're up for, right? It's right, what challenge are you facing? Um, so uh, I'm just looking behind me because I, I, I get a lot of books. People send me books to read and, yeah. and, and comment on all the time. And honestly, most business books I are often not that good. But I get really excited when I find a book or two that I, that I really like. So let me pick two from my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. So one 
book that's based on the conversation that we've had today is uh, Seth Godin's book called Purple Cow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were talking about the uh, Venn diagram, and I added the and how are you a little bit different? Um, and I think that difference is a really important driver of success. Um, and uh, it's a it's a really short book, but I think Seth Godin's book Purple Cow is a really interesting one on why difference matters and how you might think about being different as in the way that you show up in the world. And if I had to pick one other book, okay, I'm going to say um, you know I like. Um, I really like Adam Grant's book called Give and Take. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a great newsletter, by the way, um, and some great TED Talks. So if you don't know Adam Grant's work, you could check out his newsletter and his TED Talks. But his book called Give and Take was his breakthrough book. And it effectively argues that you know there are, there are, there are three types of people in the world, the givers, the takers, and then the people who kind of, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. Yes. And he's like, so who succeeds? You know, who actually has most success in the work that they do? Um, and first of all, he said, who has least success? And it turns out that givers are the ones that have least success. They're at the bottom of the pile because people can overgive and they're too generous and it leaves them exhausted and kind of depleted and out of resources. Without having and people take advantage of that. But what I love is that when he looked at who was most successful, he found that givers again were most successful because there's a certain type of giver that is generous and abundant and but also smart in how they give. So they don't give in a way that kind of puts themselves at risk, but they give without expectation because they're putting good out into the world. Mm-hmm. And I love that philosophy, both because, um, you know, one of one of the core values of Box of Crayons is be generous. So mm-hmm. we're looking to give. But it also says, but don't be stupid about it. You know, be generous, but in a smart way. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Uh, lately, I read your work uh, about performance management. And uh, I'd like to ask you, uh, for the sake of my readers, what performance management management is i know because i i came from a corporate world yeah but uh, most of, for the most of the people performance management is uh, one of the key words that is out of the normal business vocabulary sure. so it, in, in big organizations you need to have some understanding of how well people are doing are mm-hmm. they thriving are they struggling are they contributing are they not contributing to your organization And for years, the way that that was done was through what people call a performance management process, which typically means that once a year you sit down with your boss and she or he says, "Okay, you're doing well or you're not doing well. And this is what you need to work on next year. And often sometimes I'll say, and here's a bit of a pay rise or here's a bonus or something like that. So you both. These conversations have traditionally been both a, a moment of reward, you know, there's some money changes hands, um, but also a kind of, and here's how you're doing and here's what you've got to work on to be better next year. Um, that process doesn't work that well. It only happens mm-hmm. once a year. Everybody's a bit anxious about it. Um, there's this way that you combine paying people and praising people. Um, 
And what you want is people striving and doing their very best and having the best impact that they can. But that's a contradiction when you say to people, we're only going to pay you if you hit certain targets and you don't make any mistakes. So um, we're really interested in the way performance management is changing, in part because we believe that coaching is part of the solution to making performance management a better process. Mm -hmm. Because you can imagine, and whether you work for a big company or not, it doesn't matter, but you can imagine that given the choice between having somebody telling you once a year how you're doing and having somebody coaching you on an ongoing basis to support you to do better, everybody wants a coaching option, right? Because they're like, I want to keep growing. I want to have immediate feedback. I want to know what I need to do to improve. I want to take responsibility for my own career. I don't want you standing around and just judging me once a year. There's no fun in that. So that's what performance management is, and, and we're very focused on the coaching as a powerful tool to help organizations reimagine their performance management process. Excellent. I believe that you use the coaching in uh, the more ideal standards as a leverage uh, to multiply the results in, either in the company level or in a right. business level. So, uh, one final question. If you could give one piece of advice to a new entrepreneur or uh, a new business owner or a wannabe business owner, what would mm-hmm. be that, uh, Michael? So this is one of, so in the coaching habit book has seven questions and it says yeah. look seven good questions can really help you thrive and change as a leader. But these questions are good to not only ask other people, they're good to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most powerful there are two powerful questions that I think are worth asking. Doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. You're starting a business, you're running your business, you're not in a business, but you're dreaming of setting up your own business, you're in an organization and you love it, doesn't matter. The first question is this, what do you want? <laughs> Because yeah. that's hard. That's actually yeah. a hard question to answer. And you know, when you start your own business, quite often what you want is just to survive. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to own a bit of money. Yeah. Um, But to get clearer about what you really want, what would light you up, what means, what matters to you, what, what would bring you happiness, that's a really big, powerful, difficult question to wrestle with. So I think sitting with that, what you want, is a, a good first question. The second question I'd offer up is, what will you say no to so you can say yes to the thing that matters most to you? Because most of us, I'm not that good at saying no. And for our yeses to have any real weight and meaning and have a chance of coming true, the things that we want, um, we have to get a little bit better at saying no to stuff as well. So I'd encourage people to be thinking about what are the no's that you need to say to projects, to people, to opportunities, so that you can say to, to kind of internal fears and anxieties, so you can say yes to the stuff that will mean most to you. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'd like uh, to thank you, Michael, for being today with us. And uh, I'd like to reinvite you in a later time to discuss some more because I think your ideas are uh, not only innovative, but it is also very humane. I mean, you approach business in a humane way that uh, appealed too much for me and I think uh, to many of my readers. And, thank you. Uh, and I'd like to thank you very much for being uh, today with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me along. You're welcome, Michael. Bye-bye.
Have right, a nice bye. day. Bye-bye. Thank you again. Okay, well, thank you for having me on the on the show. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Have a beautiful morning. Thank you all for listening today. I'd love to see you at the next episode of Leadership Initiative Podcast. If you have a question or a comment, please send me a message at my site, takisamashill.com. Until next time, take the initiative to become the person you want to be. Stop now and make a difference. Thank you all for listening.